You're listening to Brains On, where we're serious about being curious. Brains On is supported in part by a grant from the National Science Foundation. If you have a dog, or ever seen a dog, you'll know they like to sniff. They sniff the ground. They sniff trees. They smell you. And of course, they even smell each other's butts. Ew. Yeah, let's just say... They smell... Everything. everything. But why? We're going to find out right now. Keep listening. Brains On! You're listening to Brains On from American Public Media. I'm Molly Bloom, and my co-host today is 12-year-old Madison McDonald. Hi, Madison. Hey, Molly. Now, when we first started talking about what questions you had about dogs, you wanted to know about why dogs smell each other and us. So what got you thinking about that? Well, I have a dog of my own, and I've been wondering, why does he smell the ground? Why does he smell other dogs' butts? Why does he smell trees? Right, they're always smelling everything. Right. What's your dog's name? My dog's name is Cody. And what, what kind of dog is he? He's a Siberian Husky. And why do you think he smells you? So he knows that we're part of his family, not just random strangers in his house. The first part of the answer to why dogs like to smell everything is that they can smell so much more than we can. It's hard for us to even understand it because it's so different than our sense of smell. First, we're going to dig into the hardware that makes that possible. Dog noses can be long. They can be short. They're usually wet. But not always. They're always cute, though. Yeah, they're pretty darn cute. But they're also amazing sniffing tools, as our pal Sandin Totten explains. Think about it this way. If noses were vehicles, dogs have a race car. And humans have a tricycle with a broken wheel. It's not just that dogs' noses tend to be longer. They also have a lot more scent receptors. These are cells in the nose that detect smells. Now, those smells come into the nose in the form of tiny molecules in the air. These could be bits of flowers or food or whatever. The scent receptors in the nose grab onto these molecules in the air. Gotcha. They check them out. Let's see what we have here. And then these scent receptors send a message to your brain, letting you know what it is that you're smelling. He's sniffing stinky cheese, everybody. Stinky cheese. Mmm. All of that happens in your nose when you smell something. Cool stuff. But think about this. Madison, Molly, and all the rest of us humans, we have about 5 million scent receptors. Sounds like a lot, right? But dogs. Dogs can have more than 200 million in their snouts. So humans, 5 million. Dogs, 200 million. So what does this mean in real smelling terms? Let's take our pal Bob. Hello. And a dog. Woof woof. Now, say we give Bob a cup of coffee. Oh, thanks. He might be able to smell if there's a teaspoon of brown sugar in the coffee. It smells like mm, sweetener, I think. The dog could detect that teeny tiny teaspoon of brown sugar, even if it was poured into a pool filled with one million gallons of water. For those of you doing the math at home, that's 16 million cups of water. Yep, there's sugar in there. Dogs can also control each nostril independently. And if a tiny trace of a smell enters one side of the nose but not the other, a dog can figure that out. So a dog theoretically could tell if the sugar was dropped into the left side of the pool or the right side of the pool. 
It's to the left. I just smell chlorine. Cool fact, dogs also have front nostrils for breathing in and side nostrils for breathing out. That way, the stuff they exhale doesn't blow away the stuff they're inhaling, which means a dog can sniff almost continuously. I also smell sunscreen, bathing suits, snorkels, goggles. Well, I can see all that. Uh, Also, I smell a little pee in the pool. Just warning you. One more thing. Dogs have a really powerful second-smelling tool called the vomeronasal organ. Vomeronomero what? The vomeronasal organ is also called the Jacobson's organ, which is much easier to remember. Humans don't really have a working version of this, but many other animals do, like pigs, hamsters, and snakes. This bit of nose technology is designed specially to pick up body scents called pheromones. Pheromones are smells animals give off to let others in their species know how they're feeling, like whether they're alarmed, angry, or in the mood for love. So while Bob might sniff Princess the Poodle here and say, Well, that smells like a dog, all right. I I, I definitely know that's a dog smell. Our dog friend would whiff Princess using his Jacobson's organ and think, Oh my, Princess had a really good day. She's calm, happy, and... Oh, hey, up for a date later, maybe? (laughs) A woof woof. Well, then, I'll meet you at the dog park around seven. (laughs) The dog smelled all that? Yes, because dogs are awesome at smelling. They have more receptors, amazing nostril skills, and a whole other organ just for sniffing pheromones. Back to you, Molly and Madison. All right, Madison. So what did you think of that? Was there anything in there that you found surprising or particularly interesting? I found, like, when dogs can smell their behavior, like how the dogs smell the other dog, how the the first dog smelled like, hey, she's calm. Hey, she's happy. Hey. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of amazing. They can learn all that just by smelling. We can't tell that about humans by smelling them. No. At all. <laughs> kind of wish you could sometimes, though. Yeah. While we can sit and wish our sense of smell was just a little bit better, how about we put another sense to the test? Your sense of hearing. Are you ready? Yeah. It's time for the mystery sound. Here it is. That's a quick one, so let's hear it again. Any guesses? It sounds like somebody's snapping their fingers mm-hmm. to get something as tension like a dog. That's a very good guess. We're going to give you and our listeners a little more time to think about it. But in the meantime, let's get down to why dogs are smelling each other. We talked with Annika Lisberg from University of Wisconsin-Whitewater. She's an ethologist. That means she studies animal behavior. And we got right to the subject at hand. I asked, why do dogs smell each other's butts? So the reason that the dogs are sniffing urine marks and sniffing each other's butts when they're getting to know each other is they're getting a lot of information about who that dog is, where they came from, what they're doing right now, in a very little bit of time. And then they can use that information potentially to have a a nice, smooth social introduction with each other without major faux pas. 
So I, I think it's a lot like sort of scoping someone out online in that you get not just one piece of information, but a lot of really detailed information. And then you can use that to kind of decide what kind of relationship you want to have or whether you want to have a relationship and how you might even want to approach somebody. We're really just, just at the very baby beginnings of figuring out what dogs actually can determine through smell. But everything we have so far suggests that they get a lot of information. Um, and they're so social that it would be kind of foolish for them to have it and not use it. The study I'm working on now is actually suggesting that that part of the getting to know you phase is pretty tense um, and pretty important and is probably a very important step to getting into a nice, positive, friendly relationship. Um, but not all dogs are willing to get past that point to get there. So that process is called chemical communication. But do we actually know what the chemicals are that they're smelling? No. Well, there are different ones, but they do not have names because we haven't figured out what they are yet. So I'm actually working with a chemist right now where we're just just starting again just starting to try to figure out if we can isolate them but one of the challenges with smell is that we don't have there there are a lot of smells that seem to be more of of like a whole group of signals that we're interpreting all together and so there isn't always this one-to-one -one ratio of this chemical means this thing and instead a lot of what smell is is there's this you know 60 different components and if you have, a, you know, one of these 10 combinations, then it can mean this. Why do dogs smell humans? They're probably trying to get to know us the same way they'd get to know each other. And, you know, for all we know, they're just sitting there going, why isn't she sniffing me back? What's wrong with her? You know, we're the ones that are breaking the rules in that relationship. Before she studied dogs, Annika actually studied insects. And she told us they have a better sense of smell than we do, too. In fact, pretty much all animals have a better sense of smell than humans. Whether it's a shark, or a silk moth, or a polar bear, lots of creatures do amazing things thanks to smell. Kind of makes you wonder what we're missing out on. Well, the polar bear can smell the seal three feet under ice. When it's mating time, he smells his honey for a hundred miles. They say the snake tastes the air that's tongue when it's wet. And the elephant can smell the rain when it's
That was the song Stinky Spinning World by the Dust Bowl Revival. Head to our website, brainson.org, to hear it again. While you're there, you can listen to all our past episodes. And speaking of past episodes, we're about to reach our 100th episode. And to mark that occasion, we want to hear from you about your favorite fact you've learned from Brains On. Was there a fact about elevators or ants or hiccups that stuck out to you? A fact you've shared with your friends or family or teachers or maybe your dog? If so, email it to us. We're at hello at brainson.org. We'll include some of your answers in our 100th episode. And you can send mystery sounds, drawings, and questions to that same email address anytime. That's what Leah did when she sent us this question. How do bees make honey? We'll be back with an answer to that question during our moment of um at the end of the show. We'll also read the latest group of kids to be added to the Brains Honor Roll. Stay tuned. I'm Molly Bloom. And I'm Madison McDonald. And you're listening to Brains On from American Public Media. Today, we're sniffing out what makes dogs' noses so amazing. Now back to the mystery sound. Maybe you already have a guess, but before we get to the answer, let's hear it again. Ready? Ready. Final guess? It still sounds like somebody snap- snapping their fingers. Ready for the answer? Yeah. All right, here it is. That was the sound of a clicker. And what a clicker does is it helps us tell the dog that they've done a good job and that they're going to get a reward. I'm Linda Ball, and I'm the director and founder of Positive Perspectives Assistance Dogs, or Paw Pads for short. It's much easier. Uh, And we train uh, assistance dogs for people with physical disabilities as well as diabetic alert dogs. We call it priming the clicker. And so, and we don't have to do it very much, particularly when they're puppies. What we do is we go, where'd my dog go? Breezy. It would sound like this. Click. Treat. Treat. So we're making, having them make an association to click means treat. So what does that have to do with a dog's sense of smell? Well, not only can dogs use their noses to find out more about their fellow dogs and find treats they've hidden around the house, they can use their noses to help people. Linda introduced Molly to Breezy. Breezy is learning how to be a diabetes assist dog. Breezy knows upwards of 100 different um, tasks and commands. Breezy, come. Sit. Sit pretty. Shake. Touch. Down. Roll. Yes. Good girl. When someone has diabetes, it means his or her body can't regulate the amount of glucose in their blood very well. Basically, that means they have either too much sugar or too little sugar in their blood. So people with diabetes can put something called insulin into their blood, which helps their cells process the sugar. But since that level is constantly changing, they need to monitor their blood sugar levels. In addition to regular monitoring, diabetes-assist dogs like Breezy can help people make sure their blood sugar level doesn't get too high or too low. How do they do that? Well, it turns out dogs can actually tell if someone's blood sugar is low just by the way their breath smells. And then as far as the diabetic alert, I'm going to sneak over here and grab a scent. I just put a a low sample. So it's a a person with diabetes who had a blood sugar level of 56 um, gave us a a donation. (laughs) 
a sample? So the sample that Linda has is actually a piece of gauze that someone with diabetes has breathed on and then put in a small tube. She puts the sense sample in her pocket when Breezy isn't looking, so she doesn't know that it's there. Hi, Breeze. Breezy comes over to Linda immediately and starts sniffing her pocket. Yes, good girl. So what she did was she came right to me um, and then just started poking me. That's called the alert, um, and that's, that's kind of the most important part. When a person's blood sugar is too low or too high, Breezy's been trained to nudge that person on the leg so they know to check their blood sugar levels. It's very specific that, that hey, you should check your blood sugar. Breezy, high or low? Yes. Linda puts her hand out when she asks this question. If the blood sugar level is too low, Breezy will put her paw on top of Linda's hand. If it's too high, she'll nudge the bottom of the palm of her hand with her nose. So then she tells me, that's a low sample. And, um, and then we also can do, thank you, good girl. So I'm going to pretend to pass out. Um, let's say my blood sugars just went down too, too low, too fast. I'm going to pretend to pass out and not give her any feedback. So we're building a really high-level skill where she has to think, wow, Wake up, wake up, wake up. What's the matter? Something's the matter. I better go get help. So, oh no, I've passed out. Girl, good girl. That popping sound yeah, you hear is Breezy's girl. nose hitting the microphone as she comes to me for help. Scientist Annika Lisberg said that there's still a lot to learn about how dogs can sense things like blood sugar levels just by smelling. They have a whole separate sense of smell than we do. Um, because they have a functional nasal system, it's not even like we, they have a better sense of smell. They, they have another sense of smell and a better sense of smell. Um, a lot of Again, a lot of what we don't know is, is, is there because we haven't thought to ask. You know, every, it seems like every time there's this big breakthrough, like, oh, we can use dogs to smell termites in a house, and everyone's so amazed, but probably if we had better noses, that would be an obvious thing. We just pay so little attention to it that we usually forget to ask. Annika said part of the problem is since we can't smell any of these things, it's hard for us to understand what's possible. We don't even have the language for it. So let's think about it. If something smells bad, like what words can we use? Hmm. Gross. Yeah, like stinky. <laughs> yeah. But that's not a lot. And it's not very specific. Because no. like stinky eggs, stinky garbage, stinky feet, it's all the same <laughs> thing. But those are all different smells. So like what about if something smells good? What words can we use then? Hmm. I guess... Beautiful? It smells beautiful? Yeah, it smells beautiful. It smells good. Mm -hmm. It smells delicious. But again, those aren't very specific. We don't have a word for how cake smells. We don't have those words. So we just don't have the language. So scientists have to start by looking for the actual chemical components of a scent so we can begin to understand what our noses can't. You know, it's usually kind of a fluky thing when we figure it out because anecdotally the dogs do something strange and then we piece it together afterwards like, oh, it was probably smell. But it's usually like the last place that we think about. And so it's just, it's a, it's a whole area where there's just been very little that's been done. 
we're starting to crack it open enough to realize how little we know, and that's a pretty exciting place to be as a scientist because there's just there's a million directions that you can head from here. So this is really a brand new area that scientists are trying to learn more about. In fact, recent research shows that dogs can sniff out some kinds of cancer, and scientists are trying to figure out how they do that so they can develop new cancer screening tools. Dog noses are amazing. Compared to dogs, our noses are basically useless. They can breathe and smell at the same time. And they have a second smelling tool that we don't even have. Jacobson's organ. Plus, they can use their smell to find out how other dogs are feeling or where they've been. And scientists are just starting to figure out what we can learn from their amazing noses. This episode was produced by Mark Sanchez, Santon Totten, and Molly Bloom. Special thanks to Jonathan Shiflett, Alexandra Horwitz, Catherine Bowers, Zach Lupatin, Julianne Larson, Colin Campbell, Johnny Vince Evans, Eric Ringham, Marquita Fornoff, Sam Chu, Jen Miller, and April McDonald. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at brains underscore on, and you can find us on Facebook. Now, before we go, it's time for our moment of um. Hello, my name is Leah Huang. I'm from Irvine, California. How do bees make honey? Bees make honey not for us, but for them. It's their food. My name is Leela Higgins, and I work at the Natural History Museum of Los Angeles County. And I studied bugs when I was in college. Bees are foragers. They go out and about during the daytime to look for nectar. They bring the nectar back from the flower. They have a special stomach called a honey stomach. In this honey stomach, they keep the nectar and bring it back to the hive. And they go inside the hive and then they find one of the hexagonal cells that they're gonna put the nectar into and they regurgitate the nectar. It's kind of like throwing it up. And then they put that droplet of nectar inside the hexagonal cell. There's a lot of water in nectar. There's sugar and there's water. When water is in nectar, it is easy to mold and it could spoil, it could go bad. So they remove a lot of the water. And to do that, it's very interesting how they do that. A whole bunch of bees around that cell will flap their wings to help get the air movement over it. And so it starts to evaporate the water out of the honey. And then it gets thicker and thicker. And so eventually there's only about 18% water in honey. So it's gone from really liquidy to really gooey. And then that is then stored for the bees to use over the winter and throughout the year when they're looking for a honey snack. Um, um, um. Now it's time for me to buzz through this list of names. It's time for the Brains Honor Roll. This is how we thank the kids who help us out by sharing their questions, ideas, and mystery sounds with us. Here's the latest group. 
Cairo, Samir, and Zay Dallas from Washington, D.C., Arden from Boston, Emma from Pasadena, California, Nicholas from South Carolina, Ada Bella and Althea from San Francisco, Megan from Wyndham, New Hampshire, Uma from Harvard, Massachusetts, Max from Indianapolis, Kinari from Dallas, Calvin from Pittsburgh, Olivia from Newport Beach, California, Julia and Paul from Berkeley, California, Sam and Tucker from St. Louis, Anna and AJ from San Diego, Nick from Castle Rock, Colorado, Aaron from St. Andrews, Scotland, Cooper, Colby, Ava and Emery from Pickney, Michigan, Culver from Torrance, California, Jennifer and Sam from Brisbane, Australia, Emma from Ankeny, Iowa, Avea from Seattle, Gideon from Pasadena, California, Isaac from Mount Vernon, Indiana, Aaliyah from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, Sam from Chapel Hill, North Carolina, Robbie and Ellie from Bellevue, Washington, Jean from Indianapolis, Emilio and Sabine from Acazuco, Mexico, Brady from Sharon, Massachusetts, Max from Sleepy Hollow, New York, Dimitri from Staten Island, New York, Thierry from Frisco, Texas, Brody and Bonnie from Orr, Minnesota, Sean and Maggie from Patterson, New York, Atticus from Rochester Hills, Michigan, Grace and Noah from La Crescenta, California, Sai from Carmel, Indiana, Misha and Ashima from Austin, Texas, Ethan from New Orleans, Owen and Otto from Seattle, Zeki and Reza from Oakland, California, Eleanor and Hazel from Portland, Oregon, Huck from New York, Melody from Houston, and Zoe and Eleni from Edmond, Oklahoma. We'll be back soon with more answers to your questions. Thanks for listening. Brains on.